Now, the Sidaway family has been raising sheep in Idaho for, well, over 100 years. So it's safe to say that this family knows a lot about sheep, how to raise them, and how to keep them safe. But none of that experience was able to help them with what they went through about 10 years ago. You see, one day, they had about 2,400 of their sheep that were out grazing on public land, and as that was happening, suddenly, two wolves appeared and rushed into the flock. Well, the sheep freaked out, and they started to panic. They tried to escape, but in the chaos, the sheep, they trampled over each other, stomped on one another, suffocated each other as they tried to get to safety. And in the end that day, 176 sheep died. And the strange thing is that the the wolves didn't bite more than about 10 of those sheep. Uh, The rest just died from their frantic attempts to escape. But what's even more strange is that almost the exact same thing happened again just a couple years ago. So it was in another area of Idaho, and again, a couple thousand sheep out grazing. This time it was near a steep mountain range. As they were grazing, all of a sudden, two wolves came, scared the sheep. The sheep tried to escape. They trampled each other, killed each other. A bunch of them fell into this deep ditch, and they died. And on that day, 143 sheep died. And in that case, the report said the wolves didn't bite any of the sheep. They just herded them to their death, and then they left. So I don't know. I mean, apparently Idaho has a wolf problem. But you know what? So do many churches. Jesus told his disciples that we would be sheep among wolves when we go out into this world. Many of us are familiar with that. Uh, But church, what happens when the wolves come among the sheep in the church? You see, as followers of Jesus, we're the sheep of his flock. That's how the Bible describes us. And in this world, there are many enemies of God and of his people. Uh, These wolves who seek to cause chaos and to destroy the unity and the faith of God's people. And believers, we need to understand that these individuals are not just lurking in dark alleys, drug houses, and satanic temples. No, very often, they're amongst us. And when I say that, I'm not talking about the sinners who come to church seeking a Savior. I'm not talking about the spiritually curious who are looking for answers. I'm talking about those people who try and blend in as the people of God, but who are actually actively opposed to God. These are the ones who seek positions of authority in churches for their own fame and gain. Not for the Lord's name. They're the ones who want to lead Christians astray in their faith. So how do we identify these false teachers, these heretics, these wolves in sheep's clothing? How do we recognize them? Well, the good news is we're going to see some ways to do that in 1 John chapter 2 together this morning. So if you have a Bible, I'm going to encourage you to go ahead and turn there. 1 John chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible with you, I'd encourage you to use one of those Bibles here in the sanctuary can find those under the seats in front of you. If you'd like to use one of those, you can turn to page 986. Page 986. 1 John chapter 2. As always, I'm going to encourage you to follow along 
in Scripture. Now, so far in the book of 1 John, we've seen a lot about our fellowship with God as Christians. And we began by seeing how that fellowship is damaged and strained when we as Christians don't respond to sin the right way. And then last week we saw how when we do stay in that fellowship with God, well, we grow in our faith. We start to live more like Christ. And today, as we look, John's going to turn his attention to those people who appear to be in the same fellowship as us, but actually who are not. Those are the ones we need to be wary of, the ones we need to look out for in the church. So let's look together and see who they are. This is 1 John chapter 2. We're picking up in verse 18 this morning. John writes this. He says, Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Let's stop right here for just a minute. Believers, we are in the last hour. What John means by that is that we are living in the days leading up to the second coming of Jesus Christ. That time when the Lord will return, He'll judge the wickedness on this earth, and He's going to set up His kingdom. And before that day comes, there's going to arise the Antichrist. That's a person of immense wickedness, described in the Bible as the man of lawlessness. He's going to lead the nations into wickedness, set himself up as their ruler. But before him, many other antichrists will come and have come. Now that word antichrist refers to those who set themselves up against Christ. Antichrist, against Christ. And these are the ones who actively oppose the Lord. And here's the thing, church. shouldn't surprise us to hear that people like this have come and that they gain followings with their teachings. That shouldn't surprise us. Why? Because the Bible tells us it's going to happen. 1 Timothy chapter 4 says that the day will come when people will fall away from the faith and pay attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. 2 Timothy chapter 4 tells us that people will not endure sound doctrine. No, they're going to turn away from the truth and turn aside to myths instead. Doesn't that sound like a lot of people today? Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 24 that before the day of his coming, he said that many would come in his name claiming to be the Messiah. And he said that false prophets would come. They would appear and they would deceive many. Now, maybe some of us are thinking, yeah, but it's not like that's happened. But I want you to know that there are actually many people who have come and claimed to be the Messiah. Let me give you one recent example. There's a man in Siberia. His name is Vissarion, and he claims to be Jesus. And thousands of people believe in him and follow him. But look, I mean, someone claiming to be Jesus is obviously a wolf and an antichrist. We recognize that. So how do we recognize those more subtle false teachers that slip into churches? So John tells us the first mark of a false teacher is that they leave the body of Christ. Why? Because they were never part of the body of Christ in the first place. 
Right? They leave the body of Christ. Now, this does not mean that everybody who leaves a church is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Okay, that's not what John is saying. All right, there may be very good reasons that someone leaves a church, just like there are very bad reasons that sometimes people leave a church. But false teachers leave the church because they don't have any interest in the truth. So instead, they come, they deceive many people, and then they take them out of the church when they leave. Let me give you an example. Back in the early 1900s, there was this young man who started to preach in a Methodist church. And by all accounts, he was a fiery young preacher. But here's the thing. He wasn't really focused on God's glory. He was focused on his own glory. And sure enough, the day came that he left the church to start his own version of a church. Not a church focused on Jesus Christ, a church focused on himself. Now eventually, that man died after he orchestrated the mass suicide of over 900 of his followers. Jim Jones and his Jonestown cult have been a thing of infamy ever since. But here's the thing. Jim Jones was always a false teacher, long before his followers drank poisoned Kool-Aid. When he left the body of Christ to start his own version of church, people should have seen the evidence. He was never a part of the family of Christ in the first place. Now, in that case, the good news is that he left the church, right? The sad news is that people followed him. But here's the thing, one of the problems is that not every false teacher leaves so easily. See, today, there are many churches with, with preachers in the services who don't follow the Savior. There are many churches with teachers who care very little for the truth. Believer, do not let someone's position in the church blind you to whether or not they are a part of the family of God. So the question is, how do we know if they belong to us? Or more importantly, how do we know if they belong to Jesus Christ if they don't leave the church? John has more for us on this. Let's look at verse 20. He writes, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it. And because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It's whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. As for you, see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what He promised us. Eternal life. I'm right, pause right here. The second mark, the second mark of a false teacher is that they deny the truth about Jesus. Because they don't believe in Jesus. Right? They deny the truth about Jesus. Now, now, you see, the false teacher makes their own version of Christ. Set up in their own image. And there are a lot of ways that somebody might deny that Jesus is the Christ. Let me give you a few examples. Some people might say, well, Jesus, you know, he's, he was real, he existed. Good man, great prophet, not the Son of God. Okay? Uh, that's what, like, the Muslims teach. All right? Good to remember they do not worship the same God as us. Or then there are some who say, no, 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 no. Jesus, Savior, Son of God, just not divine. 
Okay? In other words, they'll say Jesus isn't, isn't God. That's what the Jehovah's Witnesses teach, by the way. And then they claim to be Christians. But they teach that Jesus, now, nah, Jesus is the first creation of God. They say Jesus is a powerful spirit creature. He's not God in the flesh. Keep in mind, they do not worship the same Jesus that we do. Or they'll say, no, 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 no. Jesus, Savior, Son of God, divine, but he's just one of many gods. And you can become a god too. That's what the Mormons teach. They also do not worship the same Jesus as us. And then there are a lot of people who say things today like, Jesus never even claimed to be God. Friends, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 30, he said, I and the Father are one. Jesus most certainly claimed to be the divine Son of God. And do you want to know what else Jesus said? In Luke chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus said that the one who rejects him rejects the one who sent him. In other words, you cannot reject the divinity and person of Jesus Christ clearly revealed in Scripture and then claim to be a child of God at the same time. You can't do that. You cannot have the Father without the Son. Jesus said in John chapter 14, He said, nobody comes to the Father but by Me, is what He said. But teachers and preachers who deny the Son or deny the Father, they deny the truth. They are not Christians. They are not the sheep of the Lord's pasture. They are wolves, believers. And if they open their mouths to teach, heresy is all you're going to hear. They're liars. But, believer, John says, you know the truth. You who have believed in Jesus, you know that He is the eternal Son of God. That He's the Savior. He's the only one who can take away our sins. Believer, you know the truth that only Jesus can save us. That only He can give us eternal life. You know the truth. False teachers, they hate the truth. Which leads to John's next point, verse 26. It says, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from Him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as His anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in Him. Or look, the, the third mark of a false teacher is that they will teach terrible heresies because they ignore and distort the truth. They will teach terrible heresies. You see, false teachers are counterfeiters. They're counterfeiters. Okay? Kind of like uh, a fake counterfeit dollar bill might look real at first glance, but upon closer examination, it's determined that it's, it's a lie. It's a fake, right? Well, in the same way, the teachings of a false teacher might sound good at first glance, but when you closely examine them, you realize what they are, and it's a lie. You see, false teachers will often mix in just enough truth in their teachings to draw you in, to make you feel safe. And then they weave in all of their lies. Don't fall for that, believer. 
Do not be taken in by a teacher or preacher's smooth words and clever teachings and interesting stories if what they teach does not line up with the clear truth of God's word, then they are a wolf to be avoided by the sheep. I have said this before, and I will say it again, church, because this is very important, so please hear me. Anything that I or anyone else teaches or preaches in this or any church should be measured against the word of God. It does not matter what Andrew thinks or says. It matters what the word of God says. You need to understand, false teachers want to lead people astray. They want people to disobey the commands of God. They want people to follow false teachings and strange doctrines. That's what they want. These are those who deceptively teach that if you want to inherit the blessings of God, well, you just got to give all your money to them. These are the heretics who say that God isn't concerned about your sin. You can just live however you want. These are the fools who teach that everybody's going to go to heaven, so you can, just, you can just set aside and ignore the doctrine and truth about hell. These are dangerous teachings. They take people away from the truth and into all these self-serving lies. And church, please don't think that, well, these things, they're not that prominent. They're everywhere, these teachings. They're on TV. They're in the radio. They're all over social media. Believers, as a general rule, do not get your doctrine from social media. Get it from the Word of God. There are false teachers who intentionally teach these things. They, they do this on purpose. Why? Well, they want to gain a large following. They want to build a big bank account. They want to inflate their egos. Now, I know this is a lot for us to take in, so here's some good news, believer. The good news is that you have an anointing. Every Christian has been anointed with the Holy Spirit. In other words, believer, the moment that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God came to live within you. And that's good news. Because when we hear false teaching, the Holy Spirit is going to set an alarm off in our hearts if we are sensitive to the Spirit's leading in our life. Let me give you an example of that. Pastor told the story about a missionary in Los Angeles who was uh, walking along the street one day and he was with his friend who happened to be a new Christian. One, as they walked along the street, they heard a man doing some street preaching. He was holding the Bible. Now, the missionary knew that that man happened to belong to a particular cult. He was a false teacher. But the new Christian just heard some preaching, saw a Bible. So he stopped to listen. Oh, and the missionary thought to himself, oh no. He said, I hope that my friend doesn't get confused by this. He started to pray for his friend. Well, after a few minutes, the new Christian, he turned to the side and started walking down the street again with the missionary. So the missionary looked at him and said, well, what'd you think? And you know, that new Christian said, it's strange. He said, the whole time that I was listening to him, there was this voice inside of me just yelling, he's a liar, he's a liar. Well, yeah, that'd be the Holy Spirit, believer. Just as the Holy Spirit helps us in our understanding of God's Word and in our understanding of the teaching we receive, He alerts us to false teaching. And we're going to be aware of that as we abide in the Lord, as we walk closely with Him, and as we abide in the truth of the Gospel that we first heard. That's when we're going to be sensitive 
to the Spirit's leading. But I want to take a moment to say something important. Like I've said, there are false teachers who deliberately try to lead Christians astray. They want to do that. But I also want you to know that there are false teachers who may be sincere in their convictions, but very incorrect in their interpretations of Scripture. And we need to be on guard against those teachers too. Because they may not want to harm you in your faith, but their incorrect teachings are nevertheless harmful. Let me share with you an example of what I mean. Around the time that I had graduated from high school and was, was beginning college, uh, I remember that there was this big megachurch pastor who was making a big splash in the evangelical church scene for his very creative teaching style. And it was around that time that he was coming out with a new book, highly promoted. It's all over the place. And I heard about the book. I actually had a chance to visit his church once. I had gone. It was very interesting. And I was kind of excited when I heard about the book. So I got it. As soon as it came out, I got a copy. And I read it, and uh, wow, it was, it was bad. It was just bad. I had this uneasiness as I went through it. Once I got about halfway, I became very uneasy. Now I know it was the Holy Spirit warning me. You see, this pastor sincerely believed and taught in his book that because God is loving, which is true, that because of that, God is going to save everybody regardless of how they respond to Jesus Christ, which is false. Now look, that pastor may have meant well. He may not have been trying to lead people astray, but he was leading people into heresy. And we've got to be on guard against that, believer. Whether it's deliberate or sincere, and they are sincerely wrong, we must be on guard against false teaching. Let's look a little bit further at what John says in verse 28. He says, And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. So how do we know those who have been born again? Those who are part of the family of Christ? Well, one of the ways is that we're going to know it by their deeds, by the things they actually do. You see, the fourth mark of a false teacher is that they will not live in a way that's pleasing to God. Because they don't care about pleasing God. Or the fourth mark is they will not live in a way that's pleasing to God. Another way to put that is they're going to have bad fruit. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus, as always, said this the best. Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 15. Listen to what the Lord said. He said, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. 
Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Growing up, we had these three little apple trees at our house. And they grew these small green apples. And I can't tell you how many times over the years I would look at those and say, oh, those look pretty good. And so I would go and pick one off and I would try them and they were never good. They, uh, they were bitter. They left a kind of strange taste in your mouth. I don't know why I kept trying these apples. You know, here's the thing about false teachers. False teachers appear good on the outside, but inwardly they are corrupt, bitter, deceitful, and wicked. And soon enough, their outward deeds will match their inward hearts. As a dear friend of mine likes to say, you know, we weren't called to be judges of people's motives, but we were called to be fruit inspectors as Christians. See, by their fruits, you will notice these false teachers for what they are. Wolves in sheep's clothing. And the sooner we identify them, the better. Church, here's the thing. John has given us several ways as Christians that we can identify false teachers. And false teachers, they abound. Some of the ways that we can identify them is that a false teacher will often leave the body of Christ because they were never a true part of the body of Christ. The false teacher will deny the Lord. They'll teach what is contrary to God's word, and they will bear bad fruit. That's what they will do. The question is, what should we do? How can we make sure that we are not led astray? So believer, first and foremost, abide in the Lord and in the truth of the gospel. Hold fast to the truth that set you free from sin and hell. And then make it your heart's desire to know the Bible and to be ever increasing in your understanding of it. When that's true in our lives, we'll find that we are not so easily persuaded by false teachings. And then when you find yourself in doubt, believer, rely on the Holy Spirit of God living within you. Go to Him in prayer. Ask Him for wisdom. Ask Him for guidance on those things that you are unsure of. See, here's the truth that I want us to grasp this morning, church. It's this. Believers who know and love the truth will not be fooled by false teachers. It's believers who know and love the truth. I'm not talking about passive knowledge. You hear it every once in a while. You've read your book once or twice a year. It's not what I'm talking about. So the believers who really want to know God's Word and they love the truth of it. Those are the believers not going to be fooled by false teachers. Now instead, we'll expose those false teachers for what they are. And when I talk about that, you see, here's the thing. If a false teacher does not respond to biblical correction, they need to be removed from the church. Or else they'll cause disunity and they'll promote heresy. And if they're in a position of authority and they refuse to leave, then you need to make sure that you don't sit under their teaching. Leave if you must. Believers, we need to protect and pursue the truth at all costs and at all times. Wolves might come among the sheep at times, but we don't need to fear them. Not so long as we are clinging to the truth and staying close to the shepherd, believer. So, church, let's go stronger in our faith.
together as we pursue Jesus Christ. Let's be passionate about knowing God's word more and more. And anytime you hear anybody teach or preach something, look to see what does God's word say. There's a reason we tell you, open up your Bibles here. What does God's word say? Church, let's be very, very diligent about these things. Let's be on guard together, believers. And if you are here and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, you've never put your faith in Him, friend, please, please, this is very important. If Jesus is not your Savior, please hear this. You need to understand that you will hear many false gospels in this world. People will tell you, hey, you'll be acceptable to God as long as you give enough money to my ministry or to this thing over here. People will tell you, God will open up the pearly gates for you as long as you do enough good works or as long as you do these certain things. People will tell you, hey, you'll receive salvation as long as you come to this church or do this thing. Do not listen to them. Ask those people to show you where it says that in the Bible. They will not have an answer for you. So let me tell you what the Bible does say. And let me tell you where it says it. Friend, the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. That means that our sin is separating us from God. All those bad things that we've done. I'm going to tell you why it's a problem. The Bible says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. That's not just talking about that we're all going to die. It's talking about spiritual death, an eternity apart from God in a place called hell. That's bad news. The good news is the second part of Romans 6.23 says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, sin brings eternal death. Jesus gives eternal life. So how'd that come about? Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his love for us this way. While we were still sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, for all those things that we've done, so that we could be forgiven, so we could receive eternal life. The question is, how do we receive that eternal life? And Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Friend, it's only through faith in Jesus Christ and His death and His resurrection, that is the only way that we can be forgiven of our sins and receive eternal life. Friend, that's gospel truth. That's scripture for you. And if you have never given your life to Jesus, and you have questions, and you want to know what the Bible says, don't leave this way without talking to somebody about that. Or we're going to sing a final song, and maybe, maybe you want to come and talk about some of those questions. Let's look at scripture together. Find me during the song. Find me afterwards. Find Pastor Brandon in the back. He'd love to talk with you. But friend, maybe you're here and you're ready to give your life to Jesus right now. If that's the case, we won't want you to wait another minute. Let's pray together. Friend, if that's where you're at, you, you know you're a sinner. You've broken God's commands. You've done things you shouldn't. And you do believe that Jesus died for you. You do believe that He rose from the dead. You're, you're ready to receive that forgiveness and eternal life. If that's where you're at, friend, know that you can do that right now, where you're sitting. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're going through, the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, that whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So friend, right now I'd encourage you, go to Jesus Christ in prayer. And in faith, admit to Him, you know you're a sinner. 
but that you believe that he died on the cross and that he rose from the dead. Ask him for that forgiveness and that eternal life that he offers you. And friend, I promise you on the authority of God's word, Jesus Christ will save your soul from hell. He'll give you eternal life. And you'll become a part of the family of Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, for those of us who have made that decision, who have given our lives to Jesus, help us to understand that there are people in this life who hate you. And they hate your people. And they hate your church. And so they come and they try and lead your people astray. And if we want to be on guard against that, then we need to abide in you and in the truth of the gospel. We need a desire to walk closely in fellowship with you like we've been talking about these last weeks. We need a desire to know your word more and more every day so that we wouldn't be found following false teaching, so that we wouldn't be blown about by every wind of doctrine, but so that we would stand firm on the truth and so that we could lead others to do the same. Father, I pray that You would protect First Baptist Church of Oxford from false teaching and false teachers, from heresy, from strange doctrines. Let this be a place that is always focused on Your glory and the truth of Your Word. And Lord, that begins with each and every one of us choosing as a body of Christ to be united together, standing firmly on Scripture. I pray that would be true here so that you'd be glorified, Father, because that's what we want. And so that we'd be passionate about leaving this place every week, finding somebody we could share the gospel truth with. Because people are going to be surrounded with false gospels in their life. Those of us who knew the truth of the gospel, we need to share it with somebody. So help us be faithful to do that. Give each of us a person we can share with today. Father, we love you. But you proved when you sent your son that you love us more. We thank you for that truth. In Jesus' name, amen.